0: Tune always gets me. Yeah. What was that? What was that, Mike? You like the tune. That was it. It's good. (laughs) I actually need to come up with another tune, you know, even though it is nice, it's getting kind of old. Anyway, fresh, right? Yeah, exactly. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of uh, Agile Shorts. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about um, Agile in manufacturing and our resident. Um, uh, well, one of our partners, Mike, who's here with us, is going to be talking about what that means. And one of our clients uh, at Agile Meridian uh, is a manufacturer. Of course, we won't uh, divulge who, but we will talk a little bit about um, uh, what does it mean, Agile in manufacturing? Aren't they lean already? Why do they need Agile? Um, And so what about that? What's to you, Mike, what's, oh, actually, uh, before we go there, maybe you can <laughs> introduce yourself. I'm jumping ahead of myself. <laughs> Hi,
1: everybody. Again, Mike Jebber, a partner here at Agile Meridian. Um, I've been a, a coach and a consultant in helping helping individuals uh, deliver amazing, as we say around here, right? We want, we want to be able to help people enjoy their work, uh, helping folks improve their, their work environments uh, one person at a time, one product at a time. Uh, and one one deliverable at a time, but really helping people realize um, that what it is to to have that deliver amazing feeling inside their organization all the time. Yeah,
0: I love that. So um, going back to our topic, Agile in Manufacturing, what makes this engagement different?
1: Um, In different, I guess you're meaning different from like a from agile and technology, right? Agile in yeah. the software world. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's interesting because, um, you know, with it being a manufacturer, you know, the, the folks that I'm working with now, and, and this is the second engagement I've had with this, with this group. I had a, an engagement a year prior uh, mm-hmm. where we were working to build a strategic initiatives leadership team, a, a, really a strategy team. Uh, to do strategic initiatives and, and kind of help chart and guide what are the next things that we're going to do as an organization as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, this engagement, I happen to be working with a, a, a physical facility, one facility that's um, actually come together uh, that used to be, uh, you know, uh, for, for, for many years, two to three different facilities at, at, its, at its height. Um, and they condensed during COVID uh, to mm-hmm. a new building. Uh, So there's a lot, there's a lot of change involved in that. There's a lot of newness going on Um, and, and you've got an environment that's exacerbated by a pandemic, but it's also um, in a sense, uh, it's not your classic agile. And I'll use that in terms of an agile software or Mm. technology play, because what we're really doing is we're, we're going back to the roots of agile itself, not, not the framework's, or the tool sets that we have, but that idea around agile, helping people interact better with people, helping, Mm -hmm. helping people become really effective in interacting with each other um, with that focus on alignment, consensus, and value delivery. Mm -hmm. Um, And looking at that, when we were looking at the group a year ago, their delivery and what they were looking to do is, is slightly different from what we're doing now, but we've got a physical facility and it's, it's really about getting this getting this, this group of, of, their, of leaders within the organization that represent different parts of that building and what they do and the different mm-hmm. aspects of what they do, all really together and going in the direction that they would like to go in and what they would like to see happen um, in terms of meeting the, the strategic goals and initiatives of the organization, but also uh, achieving things that they want to do
0: as professionals within their space and within their company. Mm-hmm interesting so how again how is it different because you know like as you mentioned in, in most agile engagements you know where that involves software and um uh software delivery teams sort of working in better proximity to their business counterparts mm-hmm. ideally part of the same team similar types of things similar types of challenges maybe not a physical plant uh you know especially uh since because of the pandemic a lot of the software teams are remote they don't have to be there they weren't as impacted as this yeah they're not as yeah exactly with the with a physical plant uh, i would imagine that well i mean if you're if you're building up building things or manufacturing things you have to be there right you have to be there yeah yeah it happens Um, at the
1: plant not at home
0: that's right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so beyond, besides that as a difference, what else do you see as a difference in this engagement with? Because, you know, I, I'm thinking about engagements that I'm in right now, and it's a lot of the same things, right? Change, dealing with the pandemic, um, a pandemic, change in how teams operate, uh, improvement in how uh, uh, people uh, that are uh, sort of leading the work interact with people that are doing the work. Right. The leaders and the doers. And of course, those roles don't always they're always shifting. A leader is a doer for some some things, too. Right. And the, and a doer right. can be a leader as well. So anyway, go back to the question. <laughs> how How is this engagement different for you? Well,
1: this is they are actually doing this without a framework. Um, ah, and and we actually did that uh, as well last year. And mm-hmm. it worked really, really well. It was a frameworkless um an adaptation and an application of true lean and agile uh, values and principles. A lot of systems thinking uh, methodology comes into this as well. Um, And a lot of those values and principles. And it's really techniques. Uh, Mm -hmm. There are a lot of techniques you would recognize that are familiar, that that you and I both used in in different places um, for different reasons. Um, But those techniques work well because they're techniques focused on people. Um, mm-hmm. And they're focused on getting and aligning and building knowledge around those people, building visibility, building alignment, building the ability to have consensus, uh, building participation, and building psychological safety and those things that help humans really have the beginnings of an environment where they can be the best version of themselves, both mm-hmm. individually and as teams. So it's it's really a toolless, mostly toolless. It's it's somewhat tools, more tools last year when there was more COVID stuff the strategic team could they're all over the country anyway. So we were Mm -hmm. doing a lot more stuff remote. This group, we started out, it was my first engagement after, um, after COVID, uh, well, not after, but as COVID has lightened up this summer that I was actually physically on site and, Mm -hmm. um, putting it back together and using some of those old big and visual versions of things that we did. So very, very light on the tools. Um, but very, very still focused on techniques first again with humans and that human focus and building that psychological safety, the bonding, getting participation and visibility up to allow alignment consensus to start to build. And we did pick a few things that we wanted to focus on. So we had something that was relative to them um, that they knew and that they all wanted to achieve or improve as kind of the canvas, I would say, that we were working against um, to do this.
0: So you know, in in a typical typical Agile engagement, you 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 come in with a framework, and this is framework less. You know, you come in with Scrum, or 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 you know, if it's a larger organization they've been doing Scrum for a while, you may come in with some kind of a scaling framework, and and typically you you there's some some role um some role um changes in how people perceive their roles you know forget the titles Mm -hmm. it's just the roles that they play right so in in scrum you've got the product owner and you've got the scrum master and you've got the team and and as you scale up then maybe you have the, the uber product owner for you know for sort of a big product area and things like that you know with a frameless approach how did you um help them rationalize the roles that they need to play not the titles, but the roles that they need to play to be supportive, collaborative, uh, innovative, all, all the th- all the outcomes that we expect from agile teams. Right, right. Uh, so at first it was about building this
1: group of individuals as a team. They, they did not exist as a team prior to starting this engagement. And the mm-hmm. first thing we wanted to do was really focus and hone in on the people first. Let's, let's not worry about the organization, the operation, the, the, the facility, uh, or, or even the individual spaces that everybody works in. We're going to bring that in a little bit later. Let's focus in on the people first. Um, let's get the people the ability to discover a little bit about themselves, mm-hmm. a little bit about each other, um, to gain visibility around the human aspect of the members sitting around physically, literally sitting around the room with us. And their new uh, conference room which was very nice, and um, and 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 functioning um, as a unit to, to to figure out who are these individuals in the room and and how do they work because they they knew of each other and some of them had some relationships but they were there were there weren't a lot of um, existing relationships that were heavy built up in some of these areas and some of them were maybe even a little bit challenged um, based on some of the historical aspects we had some members there that had been there well over two decades, and some members that have only been there for eight months or 10 months. Mm-hmm. So there's a 10-year difference, right? And there's a there there's the, um, you know, when you've got organizations that have been around for a while, there's a whole lot of, we, we've done things this way for a long time, and then there's new ideas. And so we had to get all that kind of up and visible, and we had to get everybody understanding where everybody was coming from. The We were fortunate enough to have the group that had did this last year have a lot of success with leveraging that time period that we spent together. So that when we got into the work, it just started to fly, really started to move quickly. Mm -hmm. And some of those folks also came in and I kind of brought some of those folks in and talked to this group uh, and they have relationships with some of the members of this group. So they were able to apply and give them, Hey. This feels a little different. I know we've gone through process improvement before, and there was a lot of, we've done this before. We've done value stream maps. We've done personality assessments. We've done, Mm -hmm. it's never helped. And instead of asking them why and trying to figure out why it didn't work, I went back and grabbed these other folks and said, hey, let's give them some examples. Let's show them some real things going on. So we focused on the people first,
0: Um, without those uh, roles, without any roles uh, at all Mm -hmm. at this point. That's that's awesome. So you mentioned personality assessments. So at first, when you were saying, get them to know each other, I thought you just had them go out and, you know, happy hour and, you know, (laughs) uh, I'm Mike and I'm Kumar and these are my interests and so on and so forth, you know, but no, it wasn't that it was, it was something more like, uh, like something like a disc assessment or something where they really got to know themselves, right? Self-aware before they, yeah, yeah.
1: there's an organization we uh, that we that we partner with that we've done uh, a couple of, of engagements with that really focuses and hones in on on this type of stuff, Purpose HQ. And they 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 help to they're very good at understanding uh, multiple different types of things uh, in terms of assessments, but really about not just taking that information, which they had said, hey, we've taken these before. Um, but taking it and, and talking back about what does it mean, and what does it mean yeah. as a team? What does it mean as a unit? Where are you, where are your core strengths as a group? Where are the def- where are the deficiencies or the holes that that you should be aware of? That that that, that some that we're going to have to compensate for in one way or another. So taking those taking those in and working on that and in a structured way, um, uh, but but still, it was it's not a framework of any sort that we utilized. It's techniques and a few different tools.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but really, it was the application of that and then turning that around and having them do some introspective collaborative work around where their strengths, opportunities, risks and impediments were.
0: Um, okay. And
1: That gave us the basis to start thinking about and start transitioning from uh, where we are as a team and as human beings as individuals and where our starting point is as a team, knowing where our strengths and our, 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 our holes are and then moving starting to move in towards the subject matter which is going to be our canvas that we're going to start applying this new relationship that we're starting to build and taking our subject matter expertise from uh assembly supply quality hr engineering you know um all of these different components and these different members that are there um and and bringing them together
0: yeah that's 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 really cool so um, really have the team sort of gel, understand each other, understand themselves and each other a little bit better, and then apply that uh, team to the entire, the value stream, if, if you will, the value chain of how they, how they manufacture whatever it is that they manufacture. Right. So we, we started the question with the role. So what roles did you see emerge?
1: So it's interesting because you have, you have, uh, uh, there's very little, um, there's very little uh, overlay in terms of the different members of the, of the group in terms of what they do for the organization. So they interact with each other, but their jobs don't really, they don't, they don't lay on top of each other. There's not like a a lot of cohesiveness there. Plus you've got three physical facilities moving into one. Um, Mm -hmm. So the idea um, is that we wanted to get together and have everybody participate. Right. So, Uh, one of the things that we talked about, and it wasn't until after we'd gotten some of the people stuff uh, moved through that and kind of moved into some of the um, the opportunities on strengths and and risks and things that we introduced the concept of of a DRI structure. Um, So if there's one thing that we did, that was kind of a framework, if you want to call it or a structure, a lightweight structure, um, it was really around directly responsible individuals, DRI, um, because they are all directly responsible for those areas of that facility. Right. And so it was a very natural thing for them. They're kind of like, yeah, well of course I'm a directly responsible individual for quality or for whatever. So it was very easy for them to consume and to reutilize. And it was really about just putting a little bit of structure around it and for myself to kind of be that facilitator and that, that, um, that, that lead role for, for a little while until we had the ability for smaller groups to break out and do that for themselves on different sub projects
0: or things they wanted to work on. That's really cool. So, you know, DRI structure is often paired with a leadership as a service structure. Mm -hmm. And so the idea being that DRIs uh, may debate a topic and if they cannot reach consensus on a decision on the topic, the leader in the room, facilitator leader, um, their job is to decide the decider or decide who, you know, who is, closest to the decision to make a decision right and so so say say we're debating a a decision and you happen to be the dri for that and the group can't reach consensus then I might say something like Mike you know you're you're closest to it which way should we go and um, that's the way we go right that's the protocol and that's uh-huh. a very
1: natural way for this group to operate because you've got subject matter experts in different areas, very, very different areas, uh, across the entire value stream of, of, of a physical plant and, and the operations within that plant. So it really fit well, um, and we really didn't have to go into the whole kind of psychology or or the, the structure around DRI's because it just felt very natural to them. They they mm-hmm. just went right into it. Again, didn't introduce it in the beginning. We wanted to wait until we had bonding and, and, a, and a better collaborative environment, um, had that chance for them to gel and cohese before we started to introduce things like this. And the, the interesting thing is, um, while it's been pretty frameworkless in terms of, you know, we haven't defined roles outside of what their jobs are or their spaces, um, people similar to what you would consider in some roles like a scrum master or something, they take on a lot of those, those, those things that they do. Um, What I've also seen with the organization is a little bit, as I'm, you and I've been learning about tight, loose, tight. I've seen Mm -hmm. that start to almost kind of bubble up. uh, Not really intentionally, almost as a natural byproduct of the Mm -hmm. way that we're operating. Um, I would say that the leadership at this organization very much likes that mode of operability, um, mm. with, uh, with that. And we actually worked on kind of the first tight last year with the last year's group and a little bit of the leadership that's kind of moving itself well towards this. Um, and, uh, but they want to see that middle be loose at that mm. at facility. They, they like that mm. idea because they think it's going to be much more adaptable and much produce, Uh, quicker returns and quicker results with, with better quality. They're very customer focused company, incredibly customer focused. Mm -hmm. So they like, they see the value in this and being able to be responsive to customers.
0: Interesting. Uh, And
1: and so I think that's something that we may get into talking about once we've kind of done some actual work and say, now, guess what? This is kind of represents, right. And kind of bring that up as a follow up.
0: I I love the way this, this is um, this engagement is, is, moving for you it's it's it seems very sort of um grassroots um however also uh it's sort of a middle out and a top down right so every layer every it seems at least from what you're saying that every every rep area if you will in the company is represented in some way and 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 for reference uh tight loose tight tlt is a leadership pattern that was uh I don't know who created it, uh, many creators of it, and it's been around for probably 15, 17 years now. And it's being used by several organizations, mostly in Europe and Scandinavia. So Telenor, um, the Royal Bank of, Canada, uh, of Australia, I believe is using it, or I don't know, there's a bank in Australia has been using it for a while. And it describes this pattern of tight on, uh, on goals, outcomes, purpose. Right. Loose on execution, meaning how the teams go about delivering on those outcomes and tight again on the measures and the feedback uh, cycle yep. uh, uh, to ensure that everyone is aligned and staying on this on, on a path on the same course. Actually, we have a, a video in, in our YouTube channel uh, where we talk about this. So please do check that out. And uh, we we also uh, host a meetup. On tight, loose, tight. So uh, I'll put the links down in the comments below uh, later on to both the meetup and the uh, and and the uh, the video, the, the YouTube videos that that are out there. Uh, but what's interesting to me and really exciting is that this is just emerging organically. Uh, well, when
1: you think about a manufacturing plant, it is a microcosm of of a company, right? It's yeah. it's like its own little subcontinent uh, of, of, a company, right? This company has plants and locations uh, in many different places, but this is a, repre- a one physical representation of almost an, a complete end to end, um, uh, imprint or, or a carbon copy, a smaller version, a mini me, if you want to say, uh, of the organization, uh, mm. that, that you get to work with. And you can, the great thing is, is through example, you, you can exemplify and show real, provable um, improvement opportunities and the improvements, real visible and, and ta- tangible improvements in the collaboration of the people across those different skill sets inside uh, of that facility, um, because it is it, it, that that physical nature of it kind of gives you that ability to kind of think about it in a more traditional way. So,
0: yeah. So how is uh, leadership responded? I mean, I know they brought you in, but how are they responding to this? Uh, I mean, because I, you know, uh, undoubtedly there's change for them too, right? They're not making all the decisions. If the if the DRIs are responsible for certain things and DRIs, I, I think I liken to you know in, in a way product owners right i mean they're not it's not a direct relationship certainly or direct analogous relationship but they're similar to product owners their product owners are responsible directly for the backlog of value that is being prioritized and dri's are similar in terms of making decisions about the work that they are responsible for uh, so back to my question how is uh, how has leadership uh, responded to this change very well. So the, the key here
1: that I think that we that we worked on last year as well with the first group, but with this group is how can we show measurable movement? How can we show real measurable movement? How can we get the ahas going enough that people are talking about this when I'm not there, right? When mm-hmm. When we're not there helping them, when they're outside of sessions, sitting down and talking about, oh my gosh, blah, 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 right? I mean, getting some of that going as well as not as much in terms of We haven't made drastic changes yet at the organization, but they're getting they're starting to build up what those might look like. Um, And it was interesting because when you're talking about forming a new group that never existed, there's a lot less, you know, stress and anxiety around that from a leadership thing, because this is new. We're adding it. It's not like we're we're impacting something that it's existing that has current needs. Obviously, the people have their their jobs, but it was new. This is something that has been functioning and operating, right? So I think that um, it, there was a, it takes a lot of courage as a leader to do this because now you're it, you're cutting into day-to-day operations, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're looking at this and, and you're saying these are people that help me run this plant. Mm-hmm. and I want to make sure that we do this in a risk responsible way, uh, but we don't take 18 years to get any improvement. We've got to show improvement quickly. It doesn't have to be drastic, but we got to show that improvement. So they've been very, very uh, supportive. Um, I think when I looked at the way that the leadership was operating when we did the group a year ago, I said, you know, when they mentioned and brought me into this second thing, I thought we can absolutely do this because I know how you operate. I know how well you're going to support the maturation of the environment we're trying to build there for these people to have this amazing experience and to become really innovative at the plant Mm -hmm. level. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think that they've been great. Uh, They have not tried to direct or drive any of this. Uh, They've been very open and candid about things that they need to be able to show, um, which is real. Right. We need to be able to show these improvements. We need to to show we're making progress. Um, And we've been very collaborative in working in that way. And there's a few things that I've done a little out of order to help them out in certain ways. And there's things that they've helped me. Um, in terms of getting mm-hmm. the team to the right point in time to do something or show something. Um, so the collaboration I think makes all the difference when when you're dealing with these things, and just like everything else that you and I have experienced, Kumar, without without leadership, not just buy-in or or support, they have to be engaged. In front, yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting is they're engaged in a way that is loose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're 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 tightly coupled to the outcomes and they're tightly coupled to the the direction that we want to go to but they are not getting in the middle of the team and directing them in terms of what they need to do they really want to see the growth of those humans and and, in their
0: spaces so that's very mature behavior and i I wonder how much of that is because of their manufacturing background you know lean manufacturing and you know um I I, I don't know. I think, you know, this about me, Mike, I used to run restaurants and Mm -hmm. that's, that's your manufacturing operation. And we we had to be very lean and agile and nimble about, about, about the way we, we uh, operated that enterprise. I mean, it was, you know, it was an entire company within the four walls. And you know, when I was running restaurants, I had up to 150, 200 people that worked there, not all at one time, but the staff was that big, you know, um, And and it was it was uh, things had to run like clockwork in order to serve the product to the customer and the product lifecycle in a restaurant is minutes, not months or years. Right. As it is with software or manufacturing, not not, not that many years, but but it's it's still a much longer logistical uh, pipeline value stream with manufacturing uh, something like a phone as opposed to a meal at a restaurant. Right. right. Um, and, and so I, I wonder, you know, getting back to my long-winded question, this is definitely not an Agile short, this one. This is just so interesting. This is an Agile long, I think, yeah. for sure. Yeah. It's a good um, topic, though. Yeah, I just wonder how much of your success is, is attributable to their existing culture in Lean and, and experience with Lean and, uh, and, and, and you know in their experience. I, I think that, that that
1: has a lot to do with it. Um, I think that... You know, being in manufacturing, the concept of lean, there was a lot of lean knowledge around the building in different spaces. Not everybody on the team, though, has that. I mean, you've got folks mm. coming from HR and from finance. Oh, and right, right. That. While, while lean does exist in those spaces, it hasn't been there as long. Um, and, and there's some of the newer members to the organization as well. So um, when, you, when you look at that, I think the lean and the systems thinking things just make sense because... They're in a flow environment, right? That that idea, They they when we started talking about this, identifying uh, the, the ability to start bringing this all back to flow helps people grasp onto it faster. What can you do to help a, a group get their aha about, I get how this is going to work for me, for mm-hmm. us? If you yeah. can do that, that's where I think the lean played in. And frankly, you and I both do this the agile portion is as much for the people as it is for the process or the flow. The lean side is really about people being in there, being able to see and then interact with that flow of work. So we always use the the two in combination when we're working with different groups. This tends to be, I think a little more lean for, well, it was agile first because it was the people first, but then when we got into moving into the specific area that we were going to focus on, lean just jumps right in, right? It jumps right into this, um, but we had established good psychological safety and, and good participation with visibility on the individuals there, then it was comfortable to start moving into that. And the lean concepts were pretty simple to, to grasp on too. That's pretty awesome. Easy, so
0: know. what would you say are the, the two biggest things that you've, two or three biggest things that you've learned from? Well, this? I know this,
1: this is called agile manufacturing. And I think there's this is a case study in a way for agile outside of IT, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to say because because it's I've worked with other service organizations and healthcare and things like that um, that don't have a lot of the technology stuff that we deal with in, in software development or, or, or technology development. Mm-hmm. But I would say that you don't need you don't have to have frameworks and tools to get the value out of lean and agile. I know people people talk about that. But it's Mm -hmm. hard to get examples of that. Well, where did you do this? Where did you do something where you got that? You got somebody to actually show the values and principles um, without without the framework, without the roles or the ceremonies, the artifacts. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say this. um, I do substitute ceremonies with cadence Mm -hmm. in everything that I do. Um, And if anybody that's ever that I've ever worked with, they'll tell you one thing. He says he's very flexible with a lot of things, but not around cadence. Cadence is absolutely key. You Mm -hmm. get on a pattern, you get in a pattern of activity, a pattern of commitment to each other, to the team, to the deliverable and the mission and and the value and the customers you're serving. Um, That's as important as the work you do. And I can't stress that enough with everyone that I work with. Um, If you're doing if you're adding cadence as as a real key, a key focus and you're working on and leveraging tools and techniques to focus on the humans and the focus on the work. You can get the benefits of lean, agile, even systems thinking um, without frameworks and without tools, without roles, um, without those existing things. So you just need some of these other little elements that we've plugged in um, uh, in used in different ways in different structures, contextually and situationally to help them get going quickly and to show that value quickly. And, and then the that will was... give you more runway to take off and build bigger planes.
0: Yeah. And, and I, and I uh, sort of... Um... Equate the cadence to iterate, iterating, right? So you know, it, you very similar, yeah. Or even even Kanban, you're you're still going through a continuous improvement cycle where at at frequent intervals you're looking at your your metrics, your flow, your wait times, your cycle times, uh, things like that to look at improvements that you can make. And that that cycle of cadence, that cadence of accountability, really can be as frequent or infrequent as the team. Um, decides that it needs to be. And so I I think you're right. Cadence is such an important key uh, to any sort of a lean and agile approach uh, for continuous improvement. Yep. And those
1: frameworks do a nice job of giving you a taste of what cadence might look like, right? If you're not disciplined or haven't been exposed to the importance of cadence, I think. But you don't need it. You need the cadence part. You don't necessarily need the framework if you have another way to help them realize the value of that cadence
0: yeah the other thing I, I heard you say uh quite quite often uh during the course of this call was this idea of alignment uh with autonomy so the yes. teams the loose part right so tied on outcomes and, and goals and uh, tied on measures and feedback uh, which leads to alignment of the people that are doing the work you know where you don't have to micromanage them so you have alignment people are aligned they know where to go they know which direction to head and they can be largely autonomous and left alone to do to, to do what they need to do because there's plenty of trust built up in the system to allow that to happen and that's- now we
1: are in a yeah we're on a pattern of reporting up to of, of what we're doing sure. and where we're going and what we're doing next and what we've yeah. achieved so the autonomy is there but there's still that tight to the responsibility of of the mission and the goal and having the uh, and having the, um, uh, the measurables, right? And, and keeping people informed. But that's really a part of a greater alignment activity. Yeah. And it's really another cadence, right? A monthly yeah. update of leadership and of stakeholders and of other interested parties, as well as the strategic uh, initiatives group that we started last year. Because one of the things, you know, if the strategic initiatives group comes up with something they want to do, there's got to be space to do it somewhere. Well, yeah. you know, you've got a plant that can, it can be very adaptable. Now you've got a much more uh, a much more uh, a rangeable situation that you can really take advantage of an opportunity if it presents itself. So very,
0: very very good point. All right. Well, we are definitely. This is definitely not a short. It's a it's a very entertaining medium. Agile. Yeah. Medium. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. And I really appreciate uh, you taking the extra time to. Uh, to talk about this engagement, I mean we've talked about it before in passing, and actually I learned a lot uh, today uh, in this in this call about this client, and and I'm so jealous and envious that you actually go go get to go work at the client location. And yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's whiteboards it to... and stickies and markers. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. We're the winner will probably curtail that a little bit, but it was wonderful to do that, and I have to tell you. As good as all of these tools are and everything else, the amount of work we got done in, in the in the weeks that we had over the summer, we got we were twice as fast with, with yeah. getting the the improvements and in, in the getting folks to where they needed to be by yeah. having that that room approach. Uh, yeah. So I do miss it as well. This is good. It, it's not bad, but it's it, it is nice to get back and see real humans. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I I I envy. Like I said, I envy envy you. And I'm just waiting for this pandemic, you know, the latest uh, Delta variant to subside and so that people can get back to, you know, as normal a life as as possible. I know it's Absolutely. not never going to be like it was before. But at least you know, some uh, more face to face interaction is is is, uh, is what I'm looking for. Well, exactly. thank you so much. And thanks Absolutely. for uh, watching this episode. Uh, as I mentioned, we'll have some links down below to some of the things we talked about—the the meetup on tight, loose, tight—links uh, to our YouTube channel to the video that we where we talk about tight, tight loose, tight—and I think that's all I I, I mentioned. So uh, we'll leave it at that. Again, thank you, Mike, for for um, um, staying on longer. Thank you, everybody. All right, take.